Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. What does it take to have ridiculous faith? Today, Pastor Nicole is starting a new series examining the life of the prophet Elisha so that we can uncover the secret to living a life of incredible or even ridiculous faith. Today, Pastor Nicole will discuss how we get a double portion, a double dose of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We can ask big, think big, risk big for God's kingdom. And maybe God's just waiting for us to ask for the impossible. So let's begin our series. Here's Pastor Nicole. Today, uh, I'm starting a new series um, on Elisha. I asked Pastor Daniel if he would just stick around and help me read through some of the scripture. That's why he's up here. Uh, Also, so you can appreciate him in Pastor Appreciation Month. He's playing bass, reading scripture, doing school things. I appreciate him so much too. But let me start with a story um, because you might be wondering why I brought my wheelbarrow today. So was Joel. When I was loading it up in the van, he said, what are you doing? (laughs) Um, And so I was reading um, a story in preparation for this message about a tightrope walker. Now, his name was Charles Blondin, um, and he was known for doing, not just walking across a tightrope, but known for doing incredible theatrical variations. In fact, here's a picture of him. Uh, For example, he walked across a tightrope blindfolded, Another time, he did it on stilts. Uh, One time, he carried a man, uh, it was his manager, on his back across a tightrope up really high in the air. Um, Another time, he walked midway, sat down, and cooked an omelet on the tightrope. And so thousands of people came to see Blondin. This was before YouTube, okay? So people went and actually saw things live and in person. And on June 30th, 1859, Charles Blondin became the first man in history to walk on a tightrope across Niagara Falls from the United States to Canada. Now, how many of you have ever been there? You've been to where it goes. Can you imagine walking on a tightrope across well, at one point, as I was reading about this man, he, he asked a man in the crowd, he, he said, hey, uh, do you think that I could carry a person in a wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls on a tightrope? And the man in the crowd said, yes, that would be amazing. That would be incredible to see. And Charles Blondin said, all right, come get in the wheelbarrow. And the guy said, oh, no, I mean, I didn't actually mean that. <laughs> so I, don't, I, don't, I just want to watch you do it. So many times that same thing happens with faith, doesn't it? We can sit in the audience. We can shout amen, which I wish you all would do more. So come on. <laughs> we, we can come to church. We can tell other people about things that God has done for us, but we lack the big faith we need to trust him when it's time for us to get in the wheelbarrow. When God says, do you believe that I can do this? And we say, yeah, God, you can. And then he says, jump in. We say, eh, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, I just don't know exactly about that. Faith is stepping into the unknown and trusting his certain plan, even when you are uncertain where it will lead. Let me say that again. Faith is stepping into the unknown, trusting his, un- his certain plan, even when you are uncertain where it will lead. 
So this week, we're starting a series. I called it Ridiculous Faith. That's after I read the story about the wheelbarrow. I thought this is a perfect title for our series, Ridiculous Faith. And what we're going to look at for the next four weeks is snapshots from the life of a man named Elisha in the scripture. Now, Elisha, he took some really incredible risks in his journey with God. He got in the wheelbarrow a lot of times because he believed that God could do it. He believed God would do what he said he could do. And so that's our goal for this month as we learn about the life of Elisha is that we can get in the wheelbarrow every time God asks us to. Are you ready for it? All right. So the book of or Elisha, much of his story happens in First and Second Kings. And I want to give you just a little backstory about those two books of the Bible. They're really all about the failures of the kingship at that time. Okay, so with a few exceptions, the kings of Israel and Judah failed to adhere to the standard that God intended his people to, to be ruled over. Uh, Solomon was one slight exception. He demonstrated wisdom and justice as God blessed him, but even his failures actually split the kingdom. And so as kings became worse and, and, and led less and less like God intended, God began to display his leadership through the prophets instead of the kings. He says, okay, uh, uh, this is what we're going to do then. Instead of the kings, because they're not ruling the way that I intended, the prophets are going to be a display of the leadership. And this is particularly true in the ministry of Elisha. And so today, the snapshot that I want us to look at is in Elisha's life when he actually um, gets the prophetic call on his life to be a leader. Okay, that's what we're going to look at today. And so we're going to look through 2 Kings 2, verses 1 through 14. I'm going to stop along the way to give some background and give some commentary. And that's why I asked Pastor Daniel if he would just read a little bit so that you can identify between what the words of the scripture are and my commentary, because that's really important as we begin to understand God's word. So Daniel, will you read for us um, in 2 Kings 2, uh, 1 and 2? Yeah. When the Lord was about to take Elijah up to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha were on their way from Gilgal. Elijah said to Elisha, stay here. The Lord has sent me to Bethel. But Elisha said, as surely as the Lord lives and as you live, I will not leave you. So they went down to Bethel. Okay, so the first snapshot we see here in the scripture is Elisha is relentless. Okay, he stays by the prophet's side as they travel through all these places. In this little part that Daniel read, it actually even sounds like Elijah was trying to shake him a little bit. It said, Elijah says, just stay here. I'm going to Bethel. I mean, I don't know. Maybe Elijah was an introvert. He was just like, get out of my space, man. You know, I mean, like you are staying very close to me and I would just like to go do this. He says, I'm going to go to another place. But do you know what Elisha says? He says, nope, I'm going with you. Like it or not, I'm glued to you right here, right now, start to finish. And I was thinking about it, it made me think as I read this part, that we live in a very um, anti-commitment culture, you know, where people, we change jobs and churches and, and leaders and, and, and things more than ever before. And lifelong leaders, lifelong mentors, lifelong commitments are a very rare thing. I have a mentor who says to me, if you want to make an impact, you have to stay. If you want to make an impact, you have to stay. There is a remarkable blessing that comes to those who faithfully stay. 
those who stay in their marriage, even when it is very, very difficult, those who stay at their job, those who stay at their church through transitions or difficulties. The scripture reminds us that there is blessing in being a faithful follower. I'm thankful God is a God who stays. Are you? I'm thankful God doesn't say to me, well, Nicole, you blew it again and forget it. I'm thankful that God is a God who stays by my side all the time. And that's what this is showing. Uh, Elisha is saying, look, Elijah, I'm going to stay. Like my feet are tired and I don't know where we're going. And this doesn't look like the, the, the role I would do, but I'm going to stay with you because God told me that I should stay. And so that's what we're seeing in the very beginning. All right, verse three. The company of the prophets at Bethel came out to Elisha and asked, do you know that the Lord is going to take your master from you today? Yes, I know, Elisha replied, so be quiet. Okay, so what, what's happening here, right? I mean, not only, it was interesting to me, both men know that Elijah's days were over, okay? But somehow the prophets do too, because they're saying, hey, um, you're following this guy everywhere you're going, and you know he's about to, to leave you. And, and I think it's so funny, we don't know why Elisha responded this way. Maybe he was like, yeah, I do not, you know, do you ever like don't want to deal with the reality of something? Be quiet. <laughs> like, I know, you know, like don't, don't tell me those things. Or maybe it was a little bit like um, he wanted to say to them, yes, we only have so much time left to hear from him. Be quiet. Like, I don't want to hear you telling me what's happening. I want to hear from Elijah because we only have so much time left. In fact, uh, we're going to skip just a few verses in here, but basically what happens is they go to Jericho, uh, they, they ask the same question, Elisha gives the same response, they go to Jordan, exactly the same thing happens, it happens three times, and all the times he answers, yes, I know, be quiet. Seems a little odd to say to these prophets, but they, I, I really believe Elisha really wanted to hear what Elijah had to say, and he didn't want anyone interrupting him. He only had so much time left to glean from this man of God. All right, let's look at verse 7. Fifty men from the company of the prophets went and stood at the distance, facing the place where Elijah and Elisha had stopped at the Jordan. Elijah took his cloak, rolled it up, and struck the water with it. The water divided to the right and to the left, and the two of them crossed over on dry ground. Okay, so this is a miracle that the prophets watching actually would recognize. God had done something similar centuries earlier. God had parted the Red Sea, and Moses and the children of Israel walked across on dry ground. And in this case, the waters of the Jordan parted, allowing Elijah and Elisha to cross the river on dry ground. God's faithfulness shines through again in this moment. And when the Jordan rolled back, I really believe what we're watching here is Elisha had a choice. It was almost like uh, it was a point of no return. He was standing there. He had hit a, a fork in the road or I don't know, fork in a river, is that, is that a phrase, something. He, he stood there and he said, look, either I follow Elijah through this to, to, to uncertainty. I don't know what's happening. I know that he's not going to be around forever, but God told me to stay with him. Or I go with these up and coming leaders who are waiting for me. They, they want me to come be with them. And so I have to choose. I have to declare my allegiance right now. Do I walk across the dry ground in this miracle? Or do I go with uh, the, the, these up and coming leaders who are inviting me to be there? And so we see what happens in verse 9. When they had crossed, Elijah said to Elisha, tell me what I can, tell me what can I do for you before I am taken from you? 
Let me inherit a double portion of your spirit, Elisha replied. You have asked a difficult thing, Elijah said. Yet if you see me when I am taken from you, it will be yours. Otherwise, it will not. Okay, so here is the part that the Lord highlighted to me. Elijah did not ask Elisha, tell me what can I do for you until Elisha crossed that river. Until Elisha actually said, all right, well, I'm in it. I I mean, I followed you everywhere, but here's the miracle. This is the point that you are asking me to make a decision. And it wasn't until they had crossed the Jordan, across the dry land, and then Elijah looked at Elisha and said, all right, now tell me, what can I do for you before I am taken from you? It's almost as if it was like the final test of his allegiance, the final test of of the thing. Will he do everything God asks him to do? And Elisha says, yes, I will. And he walks across and Elijah goes, all right, I I see you, young grasshopper. You're ready. You are ready for this challenge. I also love that up to this point, Elijah offers nothing to Elisha. Like he doesn't say, if you follow me, if you continue to follow me, I'm going to give you X, Y, Z. He doesn't say, if you continue to follow me, uh, you're going to see miracles. You're going to have a portion of, of my anointing or my calling. He makes no promises. He literally just waits to see what Elisha will do and what his character is. And again, we see this message really clearly here that there is a reward for being faithful and faith-filled. There is a reward for that. (laughs) Elisha got in the wheelbarrow and crossed without knowing what would happen on the other side. And what happened on the other side was more amazing that he could ever ask or imagine. I just love this moment. Elisha thinks big. He doesn't hesitate. He wants a double dose. Now, Let me explain a little bit of the culture. Uh, When Elisha says, all right, um, I want a double portion. I want to inherit a double portion of your spirit. Um, In inheritance laws in that culture, a double share of the inheritance was given to the firstborn. And then this person took over the responsibility and the leadership of the family. So yes, they got a double portion. They got double the inheritance, but they also got double the responsibility. Okay, because then they had to make sure that the family was taken care of and that everything, you know, happened correctly in the family. And Elisha asked to be designated the firstborn of the leadership position held by Elijah. I mean, this was a big ask. This was something uh, that, that was a really big deal for Elisha to ask Elijah. He wanted the inheritance not in the form of possessions, but by the Spirit. He wanted more of God, even more than what he watched Elijah experience, and that was a lot. And, and I love Elijah because he kind of responds like this. He's like, uh... Yeah, I, I don't know what he thought Elisha would ask, but, but he kind of says, well, that's kind of difficult because I can't give you more of the spirit. That's not something in my control. I can give you my stuff. I can give you my land. I can give you my reputation. I can give you my name badge, but I cannot give you more of the spirit. Only God can honor that request. And that brings us to verse 11. As they were walking along and talking together, suddenly a chariot of fire and horses of fire appeared and separated the two of them. 
And Elijah went up to heaven in a whirlwind. Okay, so just like, did you hear what just happened? Because that <laughs> Elijah's probably like, okay, I could not have dreamed this day. Like, what, what is actually happening right in, in front of me? Elijah is on a very short list of only two people that never experienced death. Enoch uh, was the other one in Genesis 5, and he was heroic and humble, and he experienced many miracles in his life. And now Elijah is only the second person uh, in all the recorded history where he would literally avoid death. Now, when I read that, I, I want to know if anyone else thinks the same thing. Did you ever think, like, sign me up for this? Like, how do you get that, this deal? What's the package? Where do I have to get on this list? Because I don't know about you, but I've, I've been around a lot of people who have died, and it is no fun. Like, that is not something that I want to experience. That is not something that I would want someone else to experience, that process of dying. I want the go to heaven in a whirlwind experience. Like, how do I get signed up for that list? That's what, that's what I'm asking the Lord. And I also was thinking maybe the closest thing to that is like a Lord take me now experience, maybe. Has anyone have, ever had that kind of experience? Like something totally embarrassing happens and you just think, like if the rapture could come right this minute, that would be really convenient. <laughs> Nobody else? Okay. I was going to tell you my Lord take me now experience, but now I'm second guessing it because I'm not seeing a lot of people. Daniel, do you want to hear my Lord take me now experience? All right. Do <laughs> He's it. shouting, do it. <laughs> okay, that wasn't the role. Okay, so... Um, all right, so last January, almost a year ago, I decided that I was going to run a 5K in 2022. Now, no, don't cheer. Please don't. Please don't cheer. So I, um, I've, nev I've never been a runner. I've always wanted to be, but like I've never been. So I was like, I'm going to do this, and I'm going to make this big, amazing goal. So I signed up for one in May. I was like, this will give me like tons of time to get there. I don't do much alone. I kind of, I, I like make a party out of most things. So I asked three or four of my friends to train with me and run. We'll all do it, right? This will be really fun. We'll, you know, encourage each other along the way. So about February comes, like one month after my really great idea. And um, I get out of the training rhythm. I mean, listen, it is like 12 degrees out, you know? Like, it's very hard to run inside. Some of you are like, you can join a gym. You can do a treadmill. I know. Okay. I know. But I didn't do any of that. Okay. I just quit. And I was like, I will start again when the weather breaks. Well, then the weather broke and I didn't start again, you know? And then, okay. All of a sudden it's like April and I'm like, I could still pull this out. I mean, if I just run every day, you know, like it'll work. And then all of a sudden, it's like a week from the race. You guys, I have run zero times, okay, in like eight months. And so I'm thinking, well, there's just no way that I can do this. But I invited all my friends, and I can't tell them that I'm not going to be there. And so I have no idea. My husband's laughing at me. Like, he's just like, what are you going to do? I'm like, I don't know. I was like, the day of the race comes. I'm, I mean, I'm sweating. Like, I don't know what I'm going to do. I show up. I knew that I wouldn't even finish if I tried. And so as I'm registering at the table, my 14-year-old daughter, who's quite athletic, says to me, gee, mom, I really wish I could have ran the race today. Bing. <laughs> you do? Here you go. And I hand her my number. Okay, some of you who run a lot understand what, where this is going. But I was like, you can do it. Go, I'll make a sacrifice for you. I mean, it is no problem. 
you can do it. And so I give her the number, and she pins it on her shirt, and off she goes. And, um, and by the way, my friends are like, where's Nicole? Like, they're just, like, running. I'm going to all the, like, the cheering stations, like, good job. They're like, what are you doing? I'm like, tell you later, you know, like, trying to avoid all this. And so the race ends. One of my sister-in-laws actually wins the whole thing, so we're cheering. We're so excited. And just what I didn't know is that they give out medals. Do you know that? So they're starting to announce the medal winners, and all of a sudden the announcer says, first place in 40 to 49-year-old bracket, Nicole Schreiber! And I'm like, take me now, Lord. Please, take, there's Cecily winning the race. Do you have a picture of me with my medal? There's me with the medal. I won first place in a 5K that I didn't even run. So you know what I immediately thought, though? This is going to be a really good sermon illustration someday. That's what I thought. But first I thought, Lord, take me now. Like, take me to heaven in a whirlwind right now. All right. Let's get back to verse 12. <laughs> Thanks for <laughs> hey, Thank you for amening. Elisha saw this and cried out, My father, my father, the chariots and the horsemen of Israel... And Elisha saw him no more. Then he took hold of his garment and tore it in two. Elisha then picked up Elijah's cloak that had fallen from him and went back and stood on the bank of the Jordan. He took the cloak that had fallen from Elijah and struck the water with it. Where now is the Lord, the God of Elijah, he asked. And when he struck the water, it divided to the right and to the left, and he crossed over. So good. So there's probably a whole message even in just this part. But in the life of every believer, there is this, this kind of crossing over moment where you move into God's assignment and you move into God's purpose. And you say, okay, look, I'm not going to reinvent. I'm not going to try to do something in my own strength, but I'm going to follow the example of Elijah. I'm going to follow the example that I'm seeing, and I'm going to walk right into my purpose and my portion for what God has for me. I love how Elisha went straight for the bullseye and said, listen, Elijah, I want what you have times two which just shows how big and ridiculous Elisha's faith was. He knew that what his mentor had was from God, and he believed that God could even do double of that. And so I, I was just praying and asking the Lord and thinking, when Elisha asked for a double dose that day, what were the particular things that, that, that he asked for? What were the things that, that God was giving to him? And I believe it was a few of these things. The first is a spirit of faith. That Elijah learned to trust in the presence and the power of God in the world. He knew that God was in absolute control of every situation. He walked by faith. Elijah wanted that more. And so do I. Don't you, don't you want more of the Spirit? Like so many times I let fear and uncertainty affect my life. And I want to be able to say, I want to have big and bold steps for God that are driven by faith. When God pulls up the wheelbarrow and says, do you believe that I can do it for your life? I want to say, yes, I'm getting in. I want to be able to take those steps even when I don't understand or see the end result all the time. Elisha asked for a double dose of a spirit of obedience, a spirit of faith, a spirit of obedience. You know, his mentor, Elijah, instantly and without question, even when the commands of God didn't make any sense, he obeyed. 
And Elisha saw that God could do, Elisha saw what God could do with a heart like that. He said, make mine twice as sensitive, twice as willing to be obedient to you. I've watched you walk in obedience and God do incredible things in your life, Elijah. So what I want is a heart twice as sensitive. When, when, when God says, take a half an inch step this way, I say, okay. And the Lord is telling him that this obedience is the thing that will help him experience his purpose and experience the things that God has for him. What would happen if you said yes to God immediately, without question, what does that look like in your life right now? What would happen if our whole church said yes to God without question all the time? Can you imagine? Can you imagine what God could do with a group of people that have a spirit of obedience that no matter what God asks us to do, we say yes without flinching? So a spirit of faith, a spirit of obedience, And Elisha knew he would need a double dose of a spirit of courage. That Elisha would need the courage to stand for God, even when others ran away. To stand for God when he was being questioned. To stand for God when he was being persecuted. To do things that could fail or end up making him look stupid or incompetent. And as believers in Jesus, this needs to be our mindset too. We need a spirit of faith, a spirit of obedience, and a spirit of courage. And we don't just need one scoop of it. We need a double scoop. We need a double portion. We need more. You know, we sang that song, uh, per my request earlier today, that says, set a fire in our souls, God. We want you more. Like, we need more than we had yesterday. We need more than we had last year. We need more than we had when we first started serving Christ. We need more of the spirit of obedience, more of the spirit of courage, and more of the spirit of faith. We need more as this world continues to go down the wrong direction, right? We're going to need more courage to stand up for what's right. We're going to need more obedience for when we're persecuted to say, no, God, I'm going to go your way, even if I'm the only one. And we're going to need more faith to see what God wants to do with our lives and with our church. I have no doubt if we become people who ask God for more of a spirit of faith and obedience and courage that we will begin and continue to see remarkable and amazing things in our lives and in this city and in this country and in this world. That that God is asking for that. And Elisha shows us the days won't always be easy, but if you are willing to go all the way with the Lord, if you're willing to stay, if you're willing to stay committed If you're willing to go all the way with the Lord, he will bless your life with his power and with his Holy Spirit. So I want want to encourage us. I want to commend us as a body of believers. Let's get in the wheelbarrow. Like, let's get in and say, God, without you, we're in trouble. But with you, we'll go anywhere. You can take us to risky places because we know that you will show us the miraculous in those places. So would you stand? I, I want to um, just end today in prayer. And if you're comfortable, would you hold your hands out just like in a receiving position like this? Or maybe if you're here with your a loved one or a, a spouse or a friend, you might want to put your hand on their back so you can pray together. But let's just go before the Lord this morning. I'm going to pray for a double portion of these things, of faith, of courage, of obedience. But I want you to um, 
Amen. Hallelujah. I want you to receive it. I want you to verbally say, yes, God, I want more of that too. I believe that this is what I need to live my life in power and in, and in Holy Spirit uh, just driven. And so would you just verbally agree with me in prayer today as we go to God? Jesus, we ask for a double portion of a spirit of faith. God, would you help us dream big things, bigger than we could ever ask or imagine. Jesus, put us in situations that if you don't show up, we are sunk. Jesus, help us trust that you are building and planning a way and we can trust you and you are the honey in the rock. You are everything we need. You are the way maker and we pray for more and bigger faith, bigger faith than we've ever had in our natural lives, Lord God. We want a double portion of faith. Jesus, I come to you today and we ask for a double portion of a spirit of obedience. God, a spirit of obedience that you would help us listen so intently to your voice, that you would help us go when you say go and stay when you say stay. God, we don't want to resist you. We don't want to resist anything you tell us. God, make our hearts so soft, so pliable, so sensitive that we want to be ready to obey you every minute of our lives. We give our whole life to you every moment, every present step, every future step. God, more obedience, Lord. And Holy Spirit, we pray for a double portion of a spirit of courage. Lord, would you dump buckets of courage over our lives right now? Would you help us to be strong in you? Would you give us big vision and big faith, but also the courage to walk confidently in the calling and the mantle that you have placed in our lives? Lord God, we need it. We need it to face a world that is very much adverse to your kingdom. And so we pray for courage to walk the kingdom purposes out in our everyday lives. God, we need more of it. We need double of it. Lord, we're asking you for that. Father, we know that when we get into the wheelbarrow of faith, that we can trust you. Do you help us do that today and every day? And it's in your strong name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First podcast. We'd love it if you would rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast. You can follow Erie First on Facebook or Instagram, or visit eriefirst.org for all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.